0: Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu
1: slash podcast. Hey, what's up, everybody? Catch and Shoot 2.0 is back for another week. There's trouble in Boston. Plus, Otto, Bruce, and I have some thoughts on Zion Williamson and whether history might be repeating itself regarding him and John ja Morantz. We'll explain. But first, Darlene, let's get to it. Catch and Shoot 2.0 is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Catch and Shoot 2.0 goes well with both red and white and is perfect with the workout of your choice. Our hosts are Aaron Berlin, a former Kansas Jayhawk who believes the Orlando Magic will win the championship. Eventually. (laughs) His partner is Otto Strong, a man who has covered the NBA since before Dennis Rodman got his first tattoo fellas hey what's up everybody welcome to catch and shoot 2.0 i am aaron berlin along with my partners tonight not only do we have the one the only his name is otto strong we have double b the executive producer the chief content officer of pure hoops media bruce did i do that justice
0: um yeah i mean i I, i'm thinking who is this guy that he's talking about do i know this man (laughs)
1: Well, so like I was just curious, like, do you have any additional titles, you know, like chief Celtics fan, chief Celtics insider that maybe we can touch on?
0: Actually, I do have one new title. Uh, It's called father-in-law because my son Mitchell got married about a week and a half ago. So I'm still wrapping my brain around the fact that I have a daughter-in-law. So, yes, you can add father-in-law to my resume.
1: What's the hardest part about not being a father-in-law?
0: about not being a father-in-law no
1: about being a father-in-law what's the hardest part
0: there's nothing hard about it it's 100 <laughs> 100 joyful
1: oh you're too kind you're too and, kind. and
0: and my son mitchell married a wonderful young lady by the name of becca who is just sensational in every way as is he so uh Yes, and uh, hopefully I can actually get them to listen to our podcast now that I've buttered them up with all those compliments.
1: <laughs> well, I was just going to say, Bruce, the proper comment there is the wedding planning's done. That's the best part about being a father-in-law. Now you don't have to deal with the weather with the wedding planning, right?
0: Well, I didn't really have a whole lot of uh, responsibility when it came to that. Uh, I was more sort of like a, a, I was like a support. I was support personnel. I didn't really have a, a major role, but I was happy to do. You know what I'm saying? You know, it's like what I fill in as a co-host on a podcast. It's like, I'm just here to help the team. If the team wins, then I win.
1: Absolutely. I, and we're gonna- my,
2: my only question is, why are they registered at TD Garden? Because that, that's, <laughs> you know, being a Celtics fan you are, I feel like that's got to be, you know. <laughs>
0: Well, well well Mitchell is a lifelong Celtics fan because you know he would have been thrown out of the house if he weren't uh Becca's family uh, Becca comes from a family of sports fans as well uh the Lefkowitz family her dad Kenny her brother Andrew uh mom Jackie uh they're New York Jets fans so as long as they're married you know I've always got the Jets to kind of lean on to say you know it's got to be tough being a Jets fan. <laughs> I feel no, your pain. I can not, empathize with your pain.
1: It's not just tough being a Jets fan these days. It's also apparently really tough being a Giants fan after losing to the Chiefs earlier this year, this week. But we don't have to talk about that anymore. We can talk about the NBA. And Bruce, I do want to talk about your Celtics a little bit because let's be honest, the first two weeks of the campaign have not been nice to them. They started at two and five, they They're fifth in the Atlantic division, Marcus Smart ripped the rest of his roster earlier today or earlier this week. What's going on with this club? Just kind of give us a high-level overview. As a Celtics fan, what you see, what's going on with them?
0: Well, first of all, I am a very, very big Marcus Smart fan. So uh, although one can take issue with the way he went about expressing his frustration, for instance, going public as opposed to Keeping it in the locker room, as they say. He kind of took his cue from the new coach, Ime Udoka. About a week ago, Ime came out and was sort of publicly critical of the team, and and one of the people who responded to that was Jalen Brown, and Jalen kind of said, "Yeah, you know, we need to be held accountable." Well, I don't know if Jalen will feel the same way about being held accountable by Marcus Smart than he was about being held accountable by his head coach. However, Jalen is is a guy with a lot of leadership skills. There's a bunch of things going on there. You know, Jalen and Jason, of course, are the two stars of that team. They're the ones who um, always, you know, get the vast majority of the points, vast majority of the shots. And, you know, Marcus is like, oh, you know, they got to pass the ball more, or whatever. And it's like, okay, I think I'm going to give him a little bit of credit, you know, on that topic but as somebody who's watched a lot of the disastrous games so far this season, that's not their biggest problem. Their biggest problem is that their defense has, is very disconnected. They're not in sync on defense. They give up way too many easy, just walk to the basket and lay it in type of shots. And they're also not a very good rebounding team. A lot of the, the other teams are getting a lot of offensive rebounds. So I think that, you know, while their record is not good, they really haven't been blown out of a lot of games. They've lost a lot of games, you know, a couple overtime games, whatever. Uh, Last night, you know, was just a disaster in the fourth quarter or, or, or Monday night, they got outscored 39 to 11 in the fourth quarter, which is embarrassing. So to me, if they can tighten up their defense and just kind of decide that, you know, they got to put in the effort that my, my former colleague at ESPN, who you, both know uh, very well antonio davis antonio davis played on some great defensive teams in indiana and and he told me one time we were always on a string on defense everybody knew where everyone else needed to be they all it was it was very very well coordinated and you look at boston you see none of that so i think if they can kind of start there i think the offense will take care of itself now Otto, I don't know what you think when it comes to a player calling out another player, but, uh, you know, Jason Tatum might maybe want to listen to some of that too.
2: Uh, definitely should listen. I have no problem with guys calling, calling, you know, calling, uh, calling their teammates out, especially when uh, things, things are not working. I mean, I've, we've seen, we've seen that over, over, over the years and some look, sometimes that's exactly what is needed. So I have, I have no problem with it.
1: Yeah. And that's, that's kind of where I stand too. I, I mean, At some point, you can't let this go on any longer, right? Because you can dig yourself in a hole that's very difficult to get out of. And that's where it becomes an issue. But, Bruce, I did want to touch on something. And you mentioned the defensive numbers. They're 27th in defensive rating. They're 30th. They're last in the loop as far as opponents' points per game. How much of the defensive struggles have been just on the fact that they have a new coach? You know, uh, is the system that they're running different than what they ran under Brad Stevens? And if so, how much different is it? Because I'm assuming they're just running basic man, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, whether it's different, radically different or not, what I see is a lack of effort. Okay. So whatever it is that they're running, they need to run a little harder when they're running it. You know what I'm saying? To me, a lot of a lot you can cover up a lot of mistakes if you're hustling your tails off and you're covering for each other and you kind of your, your, your buddy's got your back, so to speak. I'm not seeing enough of that. And that's something to me that's really more of an effort thing. Yes, the schemes are probably still kind of new to those guys. But at the same time, um You know, when you're getting paid $20 million a year or $5 million a year or $500,000 a year and you're a professional player, you know, there's no excuse for not playing 100% effort. I mean, especially when you're expected to be a good team, there seems almost like in Boston's sort of team mentality, a, a certain kind of entitlement that hasn't been earned and I think you have to earn it by just working and playing defense and grinding. They—they're not a tough team, other than Al Horford, who's by the way been playing great at age thirty-five. He's—he's he's maybe been their best all-around player when it comes to playing both ends of the court. Um, but you know, you got to put in the effort, and one—you know—you got to make the other team feel you. You know what I'm saying? Yep. You know, the Knicks are a team when they guard you; you feel them. You but know, isn't that kind feel- of
1: hard to do in today's NBA?
0: Well, you know, what I've seen so far, the refs are letting them play a lot more than they did last year. They're not calling as many fouls. They're letting a lot more things go. So, if that's the way they're calling it, you got to play to the rules, right? I mean, that's they're going to they're gonna let you play more physical. Don't you be the one to back down, be a little more aggressive.
1: At what point do you start to get concerned about the Celtics?
0: So, right now, what are they, two and five? They're zero and three at home. Okay, they haven't won a home game. The fans are starting to get a little bit restless there in Boston. Um, look, if if they get to the twenty game mark, if they get to the quarter pole of the season, right, and they're like not close to five hundred, they're like eight and twelve something. Like, if they're like nine and eleven after twenty, okay, I think that's not a disaster. But if they're like eight and 12, seven and 13, then I'm going to be kind of worried because, you know, then but now you're starting to define who you are once you get to the quarter pole. I mean, Otto, in most sports, that's usually how it works, isn't it?
2: Yeah. But, but so, so with the new coach in, in town, are you, are you willing, what kind of a leeway are you willing to give? I mean, are you, are you thinking like, like, I mean, you think they'll make a move or if they're, or if they're just like, if they're five and 15, like how do you, how do you see that going? You know, it's
0: there. I was I was thinking about a guy today that's probably going to be. Bruce already a, has
1: a short list.
0: Well, I was thinking. <laughs> He's uh, on the short list. <laughs> Double B right here. A guy that I've always sort of admired is Goran Dragic. Okay. He's older now, right? He's probably like 34, 35 years old. He's on Toronto's bench. He's not really playing. Now, is Goran Dragic going to be available? you know, to a team, you know, a, a rival, see, cause a guy like Goran Dragic, I think is a guy that could probably help Boston kind of get their act together a little bit. He's a well-organized sort of a leader. He he's always been kind of a clutch player. He plays at his own speed. I think he can help some of those guys get better shots. Cause your point guard situation is sort of like, you know, you got Marcus smart, you know, a little Dennis Schroeder, who's not really a point guard, although he's actually played pretty well. Um, so maybe they just need better organization on the court. I don't know if they'll be able to get Goran Dragic. I think he's kind of in a in the last year of his deal. But if they if they were going to make a move, I wouldn't try and go huge with some big splashy thing. I'd try something like that, a little bit of more of a tweak.
1: Bruce, that, that's a really good point that I don't think a lot of people are talking about when it comes to the Celtics. Is this is a team that really for the last I don't know is it safe to say five years has been trying to find a steady point guard for this team. Right, like like they have the wings figured out, they had down low figured out, but the one problem they've had is a consistent point guard. They tried Kemba, they tried Kyrie. Is is that maybe a little bit of a referendum on the front office with their inability to be able to find a steady leader for this roster? That you know, by all accounts and point and purposes, you look at the roster and you'd say that they're in a window now where they can win, but when you don't have a floor general and you don't have someone that you can consistently rely on. That's a big position in the NBA you're missing.
0: I think that um, when you look at really good teams, with the exception of say the LeBron James teams, because LeBron James was always kind of like the point everything on his team and and did it better than anybody. Um, I think, I mean, look, look at how Phoenix made a a, a quantum leap when they added Chris Paul to their mix. They had a guy who was organized, who was mature, who was not afraid of the moment look at how bad Miami wanted to get Kyle Lowry. Okay. They're off to a pretty good start, you know, with, with, you know, not that he's been the main guy there, but he's been, but Goran Dragic wouldn't be the main guy in Boston either. I mean, just, but there's a veteran, you know, hoop IQ, you know, all, all good things to kind of help the be a coach on the floor.
2: Yeah. So, there's a reason, there's a reason why teams with a good floor general tend to do good, <laughs> you know, tend to do well. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's just, just that simple.
0: Yeah. So anyway, I'm, I'm not ready to panic yet. I think I would like to see Jason Tatum work a little harder on defense. He can be a bit of a ball stopper, but he's also a great offensive player who can score every kind of way you can score Uh, Jalen Brown. I, I, hopefully, you know, he's, he's, they're going to settle into a situation where he's happy. Um, They need to be, you know, they need to have health. Robert Williams, the third has been terrific, but he has a problem staying healthy. Um, So I think if they put a little more effort in on the defensive end and maybe listened a little bit to what Marcus Smart is saying, I think, you know, they're not going to end up number one seed in the East, but I mean, they could be a five, six seed and be a a playoff threat in the postseason. So that's my psychological download for the week, guys. Thank you so much for indulging (laughs) me and allowing me to vet. This was, I, I feel like half of the weight of the world is now off my shoulders.
1: All right, Bruce, I am going to tell you when you need to start hitting the panic button on the Celtics. And this is just if they lose to the Magic tomorrow night. (laughs) So we're taping this on a Tuesday. They play the Magic on a Wednesday night on the day that this will drop. If they lose in Orlando to the Magic, a team that just finished up a three-game road trip, you got a problem on your hands, friend.
0: I saw them play the Magic in the preseason. And I'm pretty sure the Magic beat them, if I remember, in the eh, preseason. pre-season. That's preseason. I understand. I understand but Magic were playing
1: that. for wins in the preseason because they're not getting them in the regular season. <laughs>
0: but here's what happened. Boston had a lead. And then they coughed it up, just like they've done in a bunch of their other games. So that might have been the template. The, the lowly Orlando Magic showed the league the way. How do you, like, take down <laughs> the Celtics? You know, hey, Col- out, outwork them in the fourth quarter.
1: <laughs> if Cole Anthony is going to go for 31 in their new city jerseys, hey. You know what? Have a day, man. Have a day. (laughs) All right. I I did want to get your take on this because I've been watching a little bit about what's going on with the Pelicans so far this year. And I think a lot of people have looked at this organization and the day that they won the lottery and the day they won Zion Williamson just kind of assumed things were going to come easily. That has not been the case at all. Zion has been out for the start of the season. They do not know when he's expected to come back. They're saying it's not going to be long, but he does seem to be at odds with the organization as well. When you guys look at the situation that's happening with the Pelicans and with Zion Williamson, this so far has been a worst case scenario for both parties, right?
2: Otto. Oh, uh, to me first. All right. So, like, I, yes, I think that, that folks thought, thought that they were going to get uh, a lot more, um, you know, in, in production in terms of time. But at the same time, you know, you, you just it's just that fickle thing. You just never know. I mean, we talk about, you know, going back, uh, you know, several years, a decade ago, you know, Greg Oden. I mean, he was going to be the guy that was going to transform the the, the the trailblazers. And, you know, uh, taking number two was Kevin Durant back when they when there was a franchise in Seattle. And people thought that uh, that. You know, you're going into, into draft night, it was, it was somewhat of a question. Like, you know, I mean, now it's, it's ludicrous. Of course, take KD a thousand times over, but obviously Portland went, you know, uh, went, uh, um, you know, went Odin and, and had health problems. And, you know, obviously, you know, clearly was never, was never, was never, um, was never right. Uh, so you, you, you do, you kind of want to, on the one hand, say that, yes, this is a franchise that should be, you know, everything should be pointing north. At the same time, no one's guaranteed anything. I mean, you know, there, yeah. there was a there was a stretch there. You remember Steph Curry? No one was really quite yeah, sure. Dude, that ankle. Is. No one. Yeah, no one was really quite sure if that was going to kind of you know be something he was going to get in the rearview mirror. Uh, eventually, he did, and you know now he's you know, one of the greatest point guards of all time. Albeit, some might say great, But so you just, you just never know. I mean, it's that, that fickle thing, and I and I don't know enough about you know the medical history to 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 be able to speak on that.
1: But, but so that's a really interesting parallel that you drew there, Otto, about the Greg Odin and the Kevin Durant thing. And I'm going to pivot this because I'm going to bring in Bruce a little bit because Bruce worked, you know, obviously for ESPN for a long time, worked the NBA draft for a long time. Bruce, do you remember that draft night when both those players were taken one, two, and kind of what the feeling was that night? Yeah. I mean, I was,
0: I was there. I mean, that was 2007. I was like the fifth one that I did. And uh, yeah, it was, it was really I mean, I don't remember there being a big hue and cry like, oh, like Greg Oden was like this big gamble, and Kevin Durant was some sure thing. I think most people sort of understood, you know, because back then bigs were more of a presence as bigs than they are now. Right? Bigs are different yeah. now; they're they're more like you know, really kind of the bigs. tail
1: end of the big guy.
0: That's right, uh, and because he was such a defensive presence and a guy who could block a bunch of shots and you know had that you know big frame I mean I remember thinking at the time I'd take Odin you know I'd I'd always take the big man I mean but it became apparent that Odin couldn't stay healthy Um, and you know we're starting to see and, and I'm and I don't know with Odin that it was a conditioning thing I mean but it's really interesting you know that Otto brought that up because you had like you know you have like two number one that are, I mean, Zion is undeniably a talent, but what's his conditioning situation. Is he taking it seriously enough? Does he need to lighten his load so that his knees and his ankles and his feet are, you know, are not but, so worn down that he has a short career or he's not available to play a lot.
1: But weren't these concerns with him on draft night I- I specifically remember there were conversations about this from every draft analyst, from every talking head that Zion Williamson is a big guy. He is built like a football player. And that is why you don't see a lot of NBA players at his size that can do the things that he can do. And when you think back to it, conditioning is always like like the perfect example, right? When Shaquille O'Neal came out, for the NBA draft, how thin, how different was his game as opposed to Shaq in his late twenties, right? Completely mm-hmm. different basketball player, completely different game. It catered to him then, but a lot of the things that Zion does involve his leaping ability. It involves his athleticism. It is, it involves his strength. And you're right, Bruce, if he's going to be a heavier player for most of his career, then the things that he's able to do that make him special are going to be very hard for him to stay healthy because physics would just tell you that that much weight on ligaments, doing the things that he does, is very hard to sustain.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, he's what, like six seven, two seventy, two eighty, whatever. He's a tank. I mean, he probably, if he could get himself down to about two forty, he might be. First of all, he'd probably be just as strong but he'd be much more lethal and, and, you know, have, like you said, a lot less pounding on his lower extremities. Um, And he'd be able to leap even higher because he's already playing above the rim, even with all that weight. So, I mean, you know, take 30, 40 pounds off, but you know what, he's going to get a max offer from the Pelicans no matter what I'm wondering is his motivation there, you know, because they're going to, you know, he's going to get the max offer. Okay. Unless he completely has a career ending injury because you know, you you, you almost have to, is he really worth it? That might be remain that might remain to be seen. Okay. And
1: it's, it's almost similar to the calculus and not to bring my home team into this and the magic, but it's very similar to the calculus that they had to make with Markel Fultz. You know, a, a lot of the issues with Markel Fultz have been injuries. They've um, been his inability to shoot. It's been simple things. But when you have a player that's taken at the level of the draft that they were taken in, you're far more invested in them than opposed to a second round guy. Um, and so it's, it's a very interesting conundrum, but I think you're absolutely right, Bruce. You, you can't not sign him and you can't not give him the max because of the what if factor. You know, what if he turns into what everyone believes that he can be? What if he doesn't? Um, and I, I, I think for a Pelicans team, the money isn't really a factor because they're not up against the cap. I, I, don't know. What do you think, Otto?
2: No, I think they. You've got, you've got to, you've got to sign him. I and mean, you know, he's like, like Bruce says, he's gonna, he's gonna wind up with a max contract. You just hope for his sake. You know, like he's paid, his family's going to be set for life and his family, you know, his children's children are going to be set for life. You really, what it comes down to is you, you hope that for his sake, he's able to be healthy, uh, is able to, to contribute the, to the game and do the things that, that we expect that he should be able to do. But that, you know, that, that height weight combination is something that, that you know, sometimes I think goes overlooked a little bit. You know, we're, we're talking about, you know, a guy who's been, you know, struggling to, to play 82 they're trying to get to where he's playing a hundred, you know, and yeah. then and and that shorter off season, Those are so those are some real conversations that they're they're going to need to have about direction, about you know, is he somebody who's going to play, you know, until he's twenty five, or is he someone who's going to play until until he's thirty? And like I know it sounds crazy to talk like that, but you know, it, it's you know, it, you know, like you look at a guy like um, you know, take a guy like Yao and take a guy like you know, like 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 Greg O. Oh, like we were saying earlier, you know, sometimes the just the the body is just not constructed you know, size and weight is not all it is. I mean, sometimes it's the way that the, the, those two things interact with the, with the rest of the body.
1: Do you and think you know- the Pelicans regret drafting him over Ja? I, I mean, Ja came on late. Uh, it's not like Ja was, um, this superstar high school player that Zion Williamson was right. Like Ja was not a supposed one and done. Um, but do you think there's ever kind of buyer's remorse that maybe they didn't look a little bit harder at job?
0: I think Memphis is happy with the way this thing worked out, just just as, <laughs> as just as Seattle, because they slash... jumped
1: up. Remember, they were also lottery winners that night too. Yeah, yeah. just
0: just as Seattle slash OKC is happy with the way mm-hmm. Odin Durant worked out. Uh, of yeah. course, KD has now been on you know the Warriors, and now he's in Brooklyn, whatever. But I mean, I, a Jaw looks like one of those guys, right? He yeah. just looks like one of those kind of electric guys where when he's out there it's like these little lightning bolts are crackling off of him when when he's playing he just is really all energy and excitement so uh he's going to sell some tickets in memphis and and they're improving i mean they're you know they're they're climbing the ladder out there
1: so i think they're happy yeah so i i i will say this and this is not just me trying to like say i was right all along but, but
0: but Otto, here comes the butt.
1: I, I knew Kevin Durant was the best basketball player I'd ever seen when he hung thirty-one in Allen Fieldhouse as a <laughs> member of the University of Texas Longhorns, and I was like, "That's the best player I've ever seen in my life." And I was dumbfounded when he didn't get taken number one. So I, I'm just saying. And then also, you guys, you guys know this. I spoke highly of John ja Morant on this show. Multiple times before he was drafted. I've been on the John ja Morant train before. It was cool to be on the John ja Morant train.
2: Otto, I don't, I don't and, remember any of that. Do you oh, remember any of that? Uh, no, no. I, I'll, I'll get. Uh, I will. I will give him that. And, and like you know, and for those for those uh, long time listeners, you know, followers, we we we've meet we've met the Kansas quota now twice. We doubled up, so we gave you two 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 servings of K yeah, of K, yeah, of yeah, K today. Yeah. So. We, can,
1: we, we can talk more about how bad the Chiefs are if you guys want to. No. No, nobody wants to talk about that or or we could talk about that starts next week though.
0: Talk about the resurgent New England Patriots, but Uh, now
1: nobody ever wants to talk about the Pats. Tom Brady doesn't even want to talk about his Patriot days anymore.
0: (laughs) I still love Tom Brady. I'll always Uh, love Tom Brady. I don't, I don't care that he went somewhere else to win. I love Tom Brady. He's a God. He's a God.
1: He's a good guy takes care of his teammates. You can't ask for more, right? And he wins championships. Like, you know, what? and as long as, and you know, so I, I meant to bring this up earlier when we were talking about players speaking out, it is absolutely in a player's best interest to speak out as opposed to a closed door meeting. Cause a lot of times things don't get through in a closed door meeting. So just, you know, Tyron Matthew has said some things on Twitter. I'm okay with it. You know what? Do what you got to do, man. Uh, speaking, Are you a toxic uh, chiefs fan? I'm a toxic everything, Bruce. Let's be honest. (laughs) Because I think the Honey
0: Badger was complaining about the toxic Chiefs fans, wasn't he?
1: Yeah. I mean, we're spoiled. We've gone to, they've gone to -to back-to-back Super Bowls and they spoiled a fan base that for the longest time just wanted to win a playoff game. (laughs) And so the fact that they're having struggles, we're all like, oh man, I don't know what's going on.
2: How how Uh, about that, Bruce? Going to -to back-to-back Super Bowls. Not winning back-to-back, going to -to back-to-back Super Bowls. Man. What you've just
0: described, what you've just described, even going to one Super Bowl, that is every Jet fan's ultimate fantasy. They don't even here's, expect to ever win one. They just want to get there.
1: Here's what I'm willing to bet: <laughs> the Chiefs will go to another Super Bowl before Kansas football goes to a bowl game. Is that fair? Is that fair? Yeah, that's I mean, totally that's I'm just, fair. I'm just saying that's that's, 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 easy. Totally that's easy. All right, yeah, all right. That's easy. Speaking of betting, you know. Because this is how we do transitions here, right? Bruce, you had an interesting nugget in our notes today. And for people who don't know, Bruce and our producer, Daniel Kramer, do a great job of giving Otto and I potential topics to kind of run through before games or before shows. And they really do a lot of the legwork that helps make this show happen each and every day. But Bruce, you had an interesting nugget on just kind of like maybe some of the issues that the NBA is going to have to deal with as sports betting and as gambling as a whole starts to take on more of a presence, whether it's in arena, whether it's at sport, sports books in Vegas. And I just wanted to maybe put this on the table of what you guys thought about this issue a little bit.
0: It kind of grew out of the whole Zion Williamson story, because part of that story that we didn't really get into was the fact that there is definitely some question as to whether the team knew what his real physical condition was when he had this foot problem in the off season, because there wasn't really a whole lot coming from the organization about it. So people are wondering, gee, you know, did Zion and Zion's camp, did they have the team fully informed about what his physical condition was? And that led me to think, well, okay, if 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 that's the sort of thing that can happen with a with the Pelicans or any other team, for that matter, now that the league is involved in gambling um, with people like. You know, regular fans like us, and you know some of the folks that just follow the sport, where they're actually putting their money down on the team. They have to have a pretty extensive amount of disclosure when it comes to injuries, when it comes to who's going to be load managing coming up. Because if you're going to bet on a game and you're betting on a Laker game, and it's a LeBron James load management night, I mean, that stuff has got to be out there for people to know about. Otherwise. Um, there's going to be just this whole sort of cloud, I think, over the sport because gambling has always kind of been the third rail when players or managers or, you know, the Pete roses of the world, or go back 50 years, Paul Horning of the Packers was suspended for a season for gambling. So if gambling is now going to be, you know, every team is on the gambling train now, right? So if if this sport is going to maintain its sense of being legitimate and above board and whatever, there's got to be a lot of more like disclosure of anything that could affect not even who's going to win or lose the point spread, right? Because that's what people are betting on. So I think there's a can of worms that really hasn't been cracked open yet. But I think it's something that we can probably look in our windshield and see some of these things possibly in the horizon.
2: I think you you got a six pack of can of worms, to be honest with you, because I mean, for, for starters, um, sports gambling is illegal in Texas, so three franchises. Boom, you're out. Mavericks, Rockets, you know, Spurs. That, that's 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 in terms of in arena. That's that's a non-starter right there. Uh, which, and we could debate whether that's you know, I mean, that's Texas state law. I'm not going <laughs> to go going to wade into that one, but that, just put that to the side. the the other, The other issue you raised, um, I mean, there is the issue of you know what players who are associated with the game may do. But that's to me separate from what John Jane Q Fan may or may not do. Well, what I mean by that is, load management has been a thing for a while. I don't think that gambling is going to be the thing that undoes load management. Or another way to say it is, buyer beware. Like this is the way the league operates, um, and sometimes you know, so you kind of know. I mean, Ruth, you you know, and Aaron, you guys know that you know if you see a back to back especially when they're two row games, you figure, okay, stars are, you know, if their stars are over the age of 30, they're you know probably going to go off one of the two, but a lot of fans, you know, the excitement of it all may not, you know, if their team's on a little string, they may not do all of the research that is required um, to be done in order to make a smart play, shall we say. So, so I, I, I like I, as always, Put down the money that you can afford to lose, not the money that you need to eat. <laughs> you know, so yeah. that's a, that's a whole other issue. But uh, I, like, I I don't think that the the league right at least right now, I don't think the league um, or teams owe anything to gamblers with respect to whether he he is or is not going to play because because gambling has been around for for a while. Yeah. It's 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 new in terms of the way that teams can interact with it and the way that fans can interact with it. But gambling, it's in and of itself has it's, you know been around. You know, obviously a long time,
0: so. Yes, but the difference being, it used to be that gambling was, you called your bookie and your bookie took your bet and your bookie didn't have any connection to the franchise. The franchise wasn't in business with the bookie. You, now yeah. the, the franchises are in business with the various, you know, draft kings and the official, you know, dra- betting partner of the NBA. I mean, I don't know if that's yeah, who yeah. it is, but you've heard those commercials. Yeah. So now that, you that you're a business partner, it, you know you could all right if you don't practice full disclosure right and you're right the pit a lot of fans are pretty sophisticated and they can kind of do some research but it may well be and i'm not accusing anybody of anything but i'm just throwing this out there it may well be that the leagues want there to be less information out there because in effect they're the house so if the house If the people betting have inferior information to the house, the house will theoretically do better over time. So, you know, and that's another thing. So if the leagues opt not to practice full disclosure, or at least more disclosure, that's going to put a cloud over them too. Cause it's like, geez, these franchises, man, are are they shady now? Are they like, you know, not sending out information because they want the gamblers to be more ignorant of, you know, what's going on. I'm just asking.
1: It's it's an entirely different issue, but it's in the same vein of what the NBA is already dealing with. I mean, w- when you look at a lot of these rosters right now across the NBA and for the last few years, you can make an argument that most teams have not been playing to win basketball games anyway, you know, right? So if you're dealing with an issue where you already have a competitive problem and now you're dealing with an issue where a franchise one is trying to, you know, manipulate their roster in a way that may or may not uh, come out with their team losing by six or eight points. Right. Like we've seen that happen before, but they they are kind of dealing with a similar issue in the same vein of their competitive problems. But Bruce, I will say this and Otto, I will say this, the league has done a much better job over the last, I don't know, four or five years, really just trying to be transparent with the NBA fan when stars are not going to play, when they are going to play, because they know that load management is a real thing and it's a real problem. But to both your points, you guys are very right. This is an issue the NBA is going to have to deal with over the course of the next few years, especially because we're not far off from a lot of these franchises having gambling available in arena. And that's when it becomes a big problem.
2: Look, it's, it, it's the way I look at it. It's a, it's a product. You decide. You're 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 determining or deciding whether you're going to buy something. Just like the jersey, just like the the soda, the soft drink, the popcorn, or 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 gambling. It's a product that you're deciding to enter into or not. And if you don't think that there's value there, or you think you're getting hosed, like you know, would you buy a twenty-two dollar soda? No, because it's a bad deal. And so much the same way. If I thought that they this 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 is just crazy. I don't know if my guys are going to play or not. I don't know, you know, who the other team is bringing in. I, you know, I see guys coming out in in street clothes. I'm like, Oh, I'm, I'm I'm already out before the game starts. Like, so, you know, to me, it's a product issue and and you know, the truth will be will come out and whether people want to put their money down on, on those teams and that, and that'll, that'll determine whether it's ultimately successful or not.
0: We'll just keep our eye on Twitter and see when, and if the fans start picking up on any of this, or if they don't, it may well be that everything's hunky dory and, I'm just being an alarmist and, you know, should just shut my face. But uh, social media always tells us, you know, these things. Yeah,
1: no, social can... media is
2: never <laughs> <laughs> wrong. Well, but I can, see,
1: I can see- Social
2: media is never wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's never in doubt. <laughs> you're right on You're right on that. Right on I, that. I,
1: I can see a future 30 for 30 episode coming out of this, though, so- You know, that might be 15, 20 years down the road, but it's going to happen at some point of how fans and franchises and the league all deal with this issue. Well, guys, we're up against our time limit, which, you know, for a podcast is saying something if we do have a time limit. But Bruce, thanks for joining us. You know, usually you sit behind the scenes. You don't ever pop in and just say hi to Otto and I. So it's great having you on, my man.
0: I've just, I'm just happy to have the band back together after our summer hiatus. It's uh, you know, I know I can speak for Dan. Who's, who's on the, on, in the background today, but
2: it's great to have the band back together. I missed you guys. It is definitely, definitely nice to have the band back together. Good to be playing. Good to be hearing the music. Absolutely. <laughs> Live <Good>. music.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's good to have NBA basketball back too, guys. I'm not mm-hmm. sure if uh, how you guys felt over the summertime, but without it, it's a little sad, a little sad. All right, let's go. Time to stick the landing. All right, guys, let's go ahead and wrap things up. Special thanks to our producer who was not on camera or on mic with us today, although he should join us sometime. I don't know why he doesn't. Just never wants to pop in. His name is Daniel Kramer. He's also here in spirit this week. Also, thanks to our editor. He is the one. He is the only. He is my good friend, Drew Rich. And also, big ups to our king of content, our co-founder, our... E P R do everything Celtics fan. He is the double B. He is Bruce Bernstein. As for the rest, all that pure hoops has to offer the Mike wise show each week brings you entertaining takes, incredible stories and high level guests, Monica McNutt and King McCore have buckets, boards, and blocks every single Thursday and BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman have the pure hoops podcast on Friday. And as always, Otto and I are back every single Wednesday with your NBA news and nuggets here on Catch and Shoot
2: 2.0. And now for your weekly PSA: Get the shot, not take the shot. Get the shot. And Of course, we're talking about the shot that will make, keep you keep you healthy and keep you keep you uh, COVID-free. So, don't be like Kyrie, please. Unless you live on, uh, plan to live under a bunker uh, away from away from the rest of the world. Your freedom potentially infringes on other people's uh, freedom and health. So, act responsibly. Um, treat each other right, and please, just get that shot. So, from my partner Aaron Berlin. And Bruce Bernstein, I'm Otto Strong. See you next week. Catch and Shoot 2.0 is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.